Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. Ha ha ha! I'm gonna fight your fucking ass! You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people! I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody! Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA for Money Show, episode 26. We are going to be reviewing UFC 248. Little bit of fight announcement. Well, somewhat. We'll see if this is actually official, official. At least it's official on one end. And then we're going to break down UFC Brasilia, UFC ESPN Plus, you have it. ESPN, Levers, Oliveira. But before I get to that, let me at least somewhat introduce ourselves so it's not completely white noise. If you are new to this show, I am at MMA State of Mind on Twitter. Bob Voss, actual name, your favorite garbage man, other Twitter name, um, on there just about all the time. Uh, and now, the revitalized at Don't Cope Just Win, Mike Copenhaver, who's finally able to be on his own Twitter account now. Mike, how's that feeling? How's that going? Uh, it's just good to be back on the microphone and on the Twitter fingers. I know I got a lot of crazy things to say sometimes. Sometimes I do it just to get a rise out of people. And sometimes I do it just because I'm different than most. So I'm happy to be here with you guys. Uh, if you guys, you know, want to get different looks from different fight uh, perspectives, that's what Bob and I are here for. Absolutely. We have a nice little blend, I think, of different ways to break down fights. Some of them are a little bit more of insider info. Some of them are matchup-based. Some of them are past history. Sometimes it's just like that straight gut feeling, how you feel about a matchup or just a fighter in particular. So we're going to start off our UFC 248 review with a major double-finger thumbs-up plus. It's good stuff, man. We, uh... The very first fight we're going to go over is the very first fight we won money on. Uh, as you know, on this show, or if you are new to this show, we always at least break down, review the main event, the main card, and then a couple other fights that speak to us, whether they're just bigger names we like or money that can be had. This was one of those fights. Gerald Mearshart defeated the wannabe Mini DC, Darren Wynn via third round, rear naked choke, cashing our first bet of the night, which was one unit for him at plus 120 to win you guys and win us 1.2 units. We said it on the podcast. He was long. He was rangy. Darren Wynn didn't want to be there. Mike brought up Mearshart's fantastic ground game. And you know what? It got on full display here. He got the finish. He got you the money. Mike, can you give us a nice breakdown of how he did that for us? Well, I mean, he did exactly what he should when you're a much longer, rangier fighter, and that's just uh, stay out in distance and just keep jab-jabbing and kick-kicking every once in a while. I mean, to some people, it's not as exciting because he definitely wasn't going for a a huge knockout finish with his range. He was more of just almost like a Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz, more like prodding, poking, uh, not necessarily as damaging as they would even, but he was just doing his job, staying at range, keeping the... Much more powerful, which is weird to say, at a little uh, as little as Darian Wynn is, uh, a guy away from him, and it was it was just a great performance standing up. And then when he finally got the chance to take him down, he could use his length, and he finally got that submission. And I was just so stoked, uh, you know, to cash another bet for the fans. It was just a great way to start the card in this UFC. We at one time were high on Darren Wynn. 
He had he checked all the boxes. He still checks all the boxes, other than the fact that he's fighting up too high of a weight class, and it's embarrassing that he's at middleweight at five six, and just we just thought he was going to be the next DC at a lower weight class. But you know what? He proved within a fight that that wasn't him anymore, and we're happy to get money back from a loss that he gave us earlier in betting him. Even more so since we were able to get a dog on this. So thank you. Darren Wynn for losing against your namesake and thank you GM3, Gerald Mearshart, the Meerkat, whichever way we're going to go with it I'm just happy he has that money. Next Sam O'Malley was back he utterly destroyed Jose Quinones with a head kick and follow up punches in the very first round. He put all of his aggression towards USADA and all of that mess up things that happened in the last two years keep him out of the cage all over Jose Quinones face very early on so, Mike, impressions on Sean O'Malley coming back? I know this was a little bit of a feeder fight, but, man, he looked good regardless. Oh, yeah, man. You know I love me some sugar, and we said it on the podcast that we pretty much knew that he was going to be a win. I thought he was actually going to show off his submission game because he's been working so hard as on his jiu-jitsu, but he didn't even get a chance to do that. Like you said, he came out hot, he came out firing, and he came out pissed off, and we saw that, and I absolutely loved it. I love that when we get to see these stars actually perform, the UFC could do such a much better job matchmaking their stars and like feeding them people. I mean, I know people get mad at the sense that it, it's entertainment but it is man i want to watch entertaining fights sometimes it's mismatches sometimes uh, it's great matches so it just it, you never know so you got to be able to put those matches together and i was just stoked that uh it, this was one of them well and i had been hesitant on the uh sugar train for a little bit because i wasn't necessarily seeing this world beater i mean he had a couple close decisions a couple that almost could have gone either way if he didn't come on late but i'm not, I, i'm enjoying the progression i'm seeing from him now uh the way his hands are coming together and i would love to see him fight just a slight step up man just keep get this kid active i mean get him a couple fights a year like at this age he's just gonna keep improving like there, there's no way around it uh in the next fight we got a little bit of payback uh alex cowboy Oliveira. Gets the split decision win over the podcast villain Max Payne Griffin. And hopefully Brazilian Cowboy will now be able to partially afford his 11th child that's on the way. And uh, just a little <laughs> bit of sweet vindication for that win. <laughs> Mike, how, how you feeling that our own personal podcast villain lost another fight? Oh, well, I'm always stoked when one of the guys that lost us money gets uh, their ass kicked. So, but Alex Oliveira, I mean, he's just, he's really strong. You know, I was, t- I was telling people when they were fighting, I said, he, this guy used to be a bullfighter and uh, he just, they have, you know, unique strength and a unique skill set. If he just trained mixed martial arts his whole life, it, it, who knows what we'd see. So it's funny because at the same time, I was telling uh, people at the party that he would do something great. And then I'd say, but watch the same, something like that, he does something great with his athletic he'll do something stupid because he just doesn't know uh, mixed martial arts as well as other well-versed guys but it, it was a pretty good fight and performance and uh you know there was a lot better ones coming on the card next neil magny defeats jingliang Li via unanimous decision showing how composed the longtime ufc welterweight still is I actually lost a little bit on a personal parlay. I had uh, Jingliang in there with someone who won earlier on the night. For some reason, Jingliang decided to wrestle against Neil Magny, which was an interesting tact. Um, kudos to Neil Magny for getting a win and still staying relevant in the UFC, considering he's been here for an utterly ridiculous amount of fights. Like I'm trying to remember. 
here. I'm going to look it up just because it's, it's insane how many fights he has. I mean, obviously, this is a long layoff after getting completely dusted by uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio, but he has been in the UFC, well, don't count the Ultimate Fighter, since 2013. And he was in the Ultimate Fighter season in 2012. So that, that's how long he's been in the UFC, for over seven years, countless fights, 22-7, and seven, decent all-around record. Um, still a little perturbed about uh, the way this fight ended out, but I mean, kudos Neil Magny. Mike, how are you feeling about this welterweight matchup? Well, Neil Magny looked great after his layoff. I mean, I, you never know what you're going to get with Neil Magny. Uh, so, you know, sometimes he could beat Kevin Gastelum uh, in Mexico, and then sometimes he just doesn't even show up. So I I, I never quite know what to expect, but I, I did not expect Lee Jinglig to want to wrestle and clinch so much with Neil Magny because if you would say, how would Neil Magny win this fight? It would, well, that'd be easy. It'd be clinching up against the cage and then taking him down on the ground. And that's exactly what Neil Magny did. So it was a great performance on Neil Magny's part. I know a lot of people had uh, G. Lee Jingleg and thought he was going to roll here. Uh, if they struck, uh, that could have been possible. But he just did a terrible game plan, and it was just not expected. And I had just great performance by Neil Magny. But uh, Neil Magny is just he, he's lackluster, man. I mean, another decision. I mean, I don't even know when he's finished someone. I'm going to look back. I'm like It's been a while if he has. I'm like I'm spacing out. Well, he beat Craig White, but that's Craig White. <laughs> also, he had the third Who? round uh, ground and pound over Hector Lombard in the fight that he was getting beat, that he was getting beaten from pillar to post. Oh, man, I was so mad. That fight, that I had so uh, Hector Lombard versus so Neil lucky. Magny via draw because I thought that wow. Hector Lombard was going to get a 10-8 first yeah, 10-8 first round, and then he was going to lose the next two, and it was gonna it was playing out right that way, but then he got a finish in the final minute. Oh, oh I think that was like a plus. Wow. Uh, at least plus 2,000. Oh, well, we're moving on. I'm, 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 I'm going I'm to cleanse myself from that, from the beautiful violence that happened after this. Benil Darius stuns Drakkar close and then lays him out with an overhand left in the second round, showing that he still carries power and somewhere deep inside still has that Rafael Cadero striking there. He looked fantastic kudos to him for still keeping himself relevant um it was, it was a beautiful finish uh mike where are you at with this fight and how'd you feel about how just how fantastic benny looked well holy shit dude i mean uh benil Dariu, she came and he came with some fire this night i mean we if you listen to last week's podcast Bob had Benil Dariush picked, but not quite confidently. I wasn't confident enough in Benil Dariush to even give give him out because you never know which one you're going to get. So I think I went with Close. Doesn't really matter because we didn't have a bet on it. But uh, Benil Dariush and Close, they came to fight both of them. I can't. It's it's hard to fault Close for getting knocked out because he was so close to knocking out Benil Dariush. He came and he went for broke, and he ended up broke. So uh, the little bit of experience I think that Benil has had in the octagon is what helped him overcome the the little firefight between him and close but geez dude when he laid him out on the floor with that one punch and then just walked towards him i was just stoked man it was a great fight it was definitely fight of the night until uh, a little bit later on oh no absolutely and well and like you said with him almost putting uh benil dariush out uh, Derek close that is that's one of the reasons you were leaning towards Derek close and it was also one of the reasons that although i was confident in benil dariush i couldn't bet him because i still like you still can't be an utterly elite person in a weight class when your chin isn't absolutely granite. And Seriously. he doesn't have that anymore. And which is sad because, okay, for, so going the exact opposite route, in the co main event, we're going to talk about some granite chins and some heat that was thrown in a very close, but in my opinion, clear decision 
for Zhang Weili, Weili Zhang. I will get the order of that right eventually. She defeats Joanna Dragic via split decision in an instant classic, arguably the best women's MMA fight the UFC has ever had. Uh, this cashed our second bet of the night, which was 1.65 units on Weili Zhang at minus 65 to win one unit. So we were a perfect night for us. It was utterly amazing. And actually seeing joanna's head afterward i think that could have also swayed some judges but i do think it was a very clear decision uh for Wei Li. i know a couple people were arguing the other side and actually we ran a poll uh on sunday that went all the way through and 65 percent of you also agreed on the Wei Li side so close as it may be at least people within our mma ecosystem agreed with us and pumped we cashed that bet mike talk about this ridiculous fight that happened with nearly identical striking numbers, nonstop action. I think I saw somewhere that it was a combined over 800 strikes thrown. Well, holy shit, dude. I mean, this was by far the best women's strawway fight ever and maybe the best women's fight ever. I mean, I knew that going up into leading up into this UFC that this was going to be the fight that I wanted to see the most. That's also why I threw down the bet on Wiley Zhang. But uh, it, it, was absolutely incredible. I've watched it over three times already, going back to just make sure that I had Willie winning it, and I did. It's like no matter what happened, I had it 2-2 going into the fifth, and I just felt like Willie was doing the more uh, octagon control, the more advancing, the more damage especially. And when you see that Joanna's head, forehead, look like Sarah from the land before time, the little triceratops, I mean, it was inc- it was just ridiculous. The, uh, the lump that was growing on her head, the, the hematoma, was absolutely massive. I know we've seen it on her forehead before, a smaller one, but nothing of the size of this, man. And it'd be really hard to be a judge and see that on her and score the fight for her. And then also all the trash talking that she did prior to the fight to Whaley. So it was just an absolutely incredible performance from both girls. I, I just, I was so stoked that we got to see it and that both girls are such savages. And for people like Islam Makachov to run his mouth and say that women don't have a sport, uh, a spot in MMA, it's just absolutely stupid and barbaric and archaic type statements because it, this was the fight of the night. It was the fight of the year so far to me. I can't think of anything else because of this fight was so new and recent so it's just it was amazing the performance of both women fighters i would love to see another round two i really feel like Li zhang has learned so much in those championship rounds her first time in them i mean she dominated that fifth round which is really important to me uh, to see from especially a new champion because her gas tank has got to be proven especially since a worthy uh, against such a worthy champion such as joanna i mean joanna was a savage she went out there and gave it her all I mean, I can't say anything bad about her besides the shit talking that she did to Whaley before the the fights. But all that matters is money when you're talking about this podcast, and that's what we brought. This is to get this finished off a two a no night. This brought you another hundred dollars if you're a hundred dollar better, and it, this is exactly why we do it. We just do it to cash bets, and hopefully, we just keep this money train rolling because lately we've just been on a hot streak. No, I completely agree with all of that, and I've, I've seen some people say that in a, if they do a rematch, because how great this one was that the if the it was priced the same and you have that dog money on joanna do you go for it it's like but who's to say that like i'm agreeing with you i think that experience of those championship rounds for Li zhang i'm like i think this if anything will make her more confident because she belongs there she's done those championship rounds like she could really take it to her the next time around and i actually think like in a rematch she would probably do even better like how do you think she would do in a rematch 
in my opinion, uh, Wiley would do absolutely better and probably finish Joanna. I think the amount of damage that Joanna took in this fight, you saw her forehead. I don't think she can do another five rounds of that type of damage with Wiley learning that much more. Her gas tank will be better. Her striking is going to be better. She learned a lot of stuff that Joanna taught her. I, I, I think it'd be a bad day for Joanna, and I'll, I will max bet Wiley because I almost max better here. Yeah, especially if the next fight is anywhere near her home base area she doesn't have to make that huge flight because we know that always kind of hurts some of the asian fighters coming over uh in the main event israel adesanya wins the main event to retain his middleweight title against yoel romero in a very low output fight from both men romero refused to bite on the incentive incentivizing feints of adesanya and left both men rarely engaging other than the consistent leg kicks of adesanya uh, on my scorecard, I thought it was a clear 3-2 for the defending champion. I know some people are calling foul for Romero. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge Romero fan. I'm a huge Romero mark. I thought he beat Whitaker the last time out. A lot of the, his close fights, I usually tend to go his way, but he just didn't have the output, I think, to even get that. And I know we didn't bet this fight. We had talked about betting this fight, but the Adesanya uh, line got a little bit too steep for us. Um, we had talked about Izzy by decision. Which I guess would have worked out this way, but I, so many people are counting Izzy out now. They're saying that he's not as good. I'm like, I you pick the last fighter that walked away from a Yoel Romero fight with a, almost no scratch on him and won. You're not going to find him. They, they get destroyed. So, Mike, what's your take on the main event here? Were you all for Izzy and realizing what he had to do? Or do you think he, he could have engaged more and go for it? Well, I mean, he's a striker and he's a great counter striker. So in order to look good, you need someone that's going to be aggressive. And uh, Yoel Romero wasn't quite that. He, he didn't come forward as much as he should have to help his dance partner. And uh, it's just you could see that. And so it really affected the fight's performance. You could really see that Ariel, uh, Israel Adesanya was frustrated by it. But he's dumb. He's his champion. Why would he be dumb and go in there and uh, waltz right up to Yoel Romero so he could eat a big right hand? Sounds like the dumbest shit I've ever heard. These are just internet fans people have never been in fights in their life so it is what it is the same people used to cry about george st pierre using his wrestling at the end of his career and you know not finishing people as much it is it's a lot harder to be the champion and stay the champion uh, than these people really uh, think it is so israel won that fight you got to come and beat the champion you israel or you romero didn't even use his olympic wrestling that's his fault that could have got him some points you're talking about a close fight well finish this with a couple takedowns Pick him up and slam him on the ground. Do something. But that's Yoel Romero's fault. You can't blame Israel Adesanya for not going forward versus a power striker and a wrestler. It's just stupidity. But I, I, I didn't like the fight either. I'm with all you fans. It was boring. It was dumb. After watching Benel Dariush close the house on Dakar Close and then watching uh, Weli Zhang and... Uh, Joanna give a performance of a lifetime. I I'm telling you, man, the women are catching up fast. They're almost more exciting every single time. I'll say it, man. Every single time I'm excited pretty much for a women's fight. I'm one of the rare people who liked women's MMA. I always have. They're one of my favorite ones to bet on because I could see the, the skill difference and the gaps easily. And so I I'm stoked that the women dominated this night because Israel was not, it really wasn't exciting, but I knew he was going to win. He did win, but uh, it is what it is, bro. He's got the belt. No, absolutely. And like you said about him being a counter striker, um, 
you would think this would be the perfect type of situation for Romero to really go for it and then Izzy to style on him. He didn't. And honestly, I'm, I'm giving Izzy some credit here because he knew it wasn't a good looking fight, but he stuck to the game plan because he knew the game plan was what was going to win. He didn't decide to just run in there and get knocked out. Like Again, me and Mike are with you guys. All you guys listen to saying how bad of a fight it was. It was not a good fight. I'm not here to say it was. I'm here and saying that I could respect him being disciplined and doing all he could do to maintain that belt and to keep that belt in this type of scenario. Now, they're talking about him fighting uh, Bohachinia uh, in July. That's a different fight. Bohachinia will only come forward, which will be perfect for feints and the sidestepping and combination counter-striking of Izzy Adesanya. And he will likely get a finish in that fight, especially because Bohachinia can't last five rounds. So that's going to be a more exciting fight. But I don't know, we'll put a stamp on this because you know what? We don't want to end this on a sour note. We don't because we ended UFC 248 2-0 for 2.2 plus 2.2 units for you guys. Like just for example, like Mike said, if you're $100 better, that's 220 bucks for you for from free bets, free picks from me and Mike. Now, an even more exciting thing, at least for me, because I think this fight is utterly phenomenal. Um, we're going to quick do it. There's one fight announcement. It's not quite a fight announcement. It's it's a partial announcement. It, by the time this comes out, it may be an official announcement. A fight has been signed on one end. That may change, obviously, before the show comes out. Uh, Corey Sanhagen has signed about against uh, the bantamweight legend, Dominic Cruz, in the co-main event of UFC San Diego. Now, that's not 100% for sure. It depends if it gets signed the other way. I can't imagine it won't. Um... I know I had previously said I'm not the biggest fan of this only because I think you are ruining a, a really good prospect because I like showing my cards here. I'm leaning Dominic Cruz, even though he's coming off of a big layoff and he will likely be a dog in this fight. And you know what? I will likely bet him at a dog in this fight. Mike, do you have an early leaning on this fight? How do you feel about it? Are you okay with it? Are you against it? Tell me what you're feeling. Only because I know Cruz personally and what a sissy is in real life, I I, I would go against them. I, I mean, Dominic Cruz, my brother and him, they grew, they started together in Brandon Vera's house down in San Diego, uh, down at when uh, Undisputed started, and then Alliance MMA broke off and then became what they are. But they were really close, and they lived in a, a house at one of Vera's extra uh, in rooms at Brandon Vera's extra house. And so I'm, I'm going to tell you, we still go in the theater room and we used to watch scary movies all the time, specifically Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because I love the movie and Jessica Biel's, uh, you know, breasts don't hurt. So watching the movie uh, was dope. But Dominic Cruz is, is literally such is one of those guys is so scared of horror flicks and 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 things that get it to you mentally that it, he literally would freak out if we watch scary movies. So one time we, when we went out to dinner, we came back to watch the movie, to start a movie and it was gone. It was just straight disappeared because he threw it out. I mean, so I, he's a great hard worker. He has always been, but he's soft as could be, man. I'm talking to you in the streets. He is not hard. He will never be hard. And he's just not that guy. So I would go with Corey Sandhagen, and especially because I, I believe he's much longer. And so I, I really believe that uh, it would actually be a, a, a good chance for Sandhagen to win this fight. But that's just only my personal opinion from knowing him for those few years that my brother lived with him. But like I said, he, he's, he's not hard. He's soft. This weekend, this fight card is spectacular. I'm a little disappointed on a number that's later on in this fight card, and we'll get to that. But we got a lot of good before that on this UFC Brasilia ESPN Plus Levers Oliveira. I'm still not sure where they're going with the names, but this is what we're talking about. A lot of great fights, and honestly, the fights that me and Mike like so much that normally we give you guys at least two bets. 
or a big one bet. But you know what here? We like this card so much, we're giving you three for this fight card. Which is more than we normally give, but you know what? There's some good fights, and we are liking some sides in a big way. First one of those, uh, Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos, or EDS as we like to call him. Uh, he is minus 135 against Alexei Konchenko, plus 115. Konchenko is the guy who was a big, touted prospect coming into the UFC uh, from a lot of M1 fame. He beat up a aged Tiago Alves and an aged Yushin Okami and lost decision to Gilbert Burns, which I believe was Gilbert Burns' debut at welterweight coming up from 155, who's actually fighting later on this card. He's going against EDS. And I know EDS, his last time out, got taken out by Jingliang Li, but EDS is still a monster. He's got fantastic striking. He's got a good ground game, better ground game than this guy. Uh, has had better experience, fought bigger names, and we just absolutely love him here. So, Mike, before I completely go over the board, please give the people some like more hardcore facts about our dude EDS here. Well, if you guys have been listening to the podcast, we've been EDS fans for a long time and been betting them the, uh, the whole way. So the, the his last loss, you know, you can't really blame him. He got set up down in China. He was super confident coming off a, like a five-fight win streak or more. Um, he was also just really confident in his hands. He's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and when that kind of gets you in trouble if he's just fall in love with your striking. And I think that's uh, Lee Jingleg was just a bad matchup for him, super aggressive. Both kind of came forward, and one ended your night over there in China. So I can't blame that, but I, otherwise I think EDS would be a bigger favorite here. I mean, he, like I said, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He's absolutely deadly on the ground, and his striking is really, really amazing. So I, I think that... Not only does he have the ground game advantage, that the the striking. I know Lexi is a is a decorated striker himself, but I think he can equal out that and then all take down Alexi to the ground pretty easily because Burns got him down to the ground, and uh, I think that Eliza Eliza can do that as well. So uh, we're definitely going to throw down the one point three uh, one point three five units on uh, Eliza Koo to win one, and uh, I believe he's going to roll here. He's a little bit bigger too. Absolutely, uh, Alexi. Touted prospect who was never truly tested, and when he got tested, he got beat. And in this one, honestly, I think he might get put out. But moving on again, but before you go, oh no, we're going to move on, and we got to wait a little while for another bet. Nope, the very next fight we're going to talk about is another bet. That's just how this fight card is, man. Juicy A Formiga. Yes, I say Juicy A, because I literally write down Juicy-A every time I tweet his name or talk about him. He is a currently minus 165 favorite against Brandon Moreno, who's plus 145. Now, what you guys have to realize, and any of you who've been listening to this podcast or any previous podcast where you've on, you would realize... Me and Mike have been big Brandon Moreno fans for a while. He's has a surprisingly good scramble game. He's still relatively young. He's not the best camp, but we, we can work around that. He's gotten better and better and better. But he's going against Juicier Formiga. So the thing that Moreno is best at is scrambling on the ground and incorp- and making his game, just inflicting his game on his opponents. Uh, Formiga's not playing that game. Formiga's going to control him on the ground. Formiga's going to advance position. Formiga's likely going to sub him. And you know what? Formiga is only minus 165. Now, before I gush and continue to gush on Juicy A, Mike, I know how much you love Formiga's ground game. Please, tell us about his ground game. 
Well, Juicier is a well-decorated black belt, I man. I mean, he trains over there at American Top Team, which uh, to Bob and I, we've been saying for a long time, is our favorite camp, uh, our favorite fight team. They got Mike Brown and a bunch of other great coaches down there who just really put in the time to make their athletes amazing. And they also have just like the best training partners, man. I mean, you got uh, Dustin Diamond Poirier and you got um, a bunch of other people I can't even name off the top of my head. But just the fact that you just have um, amazing talent to go train with and to help you stylistically match things up and so i i formiga is a black belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu and i i just i really believe that he's going to be able to roll with the submission game here uh moreno is a brown belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu and there's just there's different levels to this man i mean you you don't even get advanced the brown belt from to black belt like in in a minute it takes like a minimum three-year gap it could take longer than that you better do something pretty amazing in competition for you to advance so I think that the the gap is going to be huge on the ground. I just don't think that Moreno's ever scrambled with someone like Juicier. And so I just, I really believe he's going to be able to, in one of these little uh, positions, Moreno's going to make a mistake and get caught in a submission by Formiga. And so that's why we, you know, that would be uh, my pick. We have Juicier Formiga at the minus 165 to win you guys one unit. That's 1.65 units down to win a unit on old Juicy A. Now, in one of the last great Canadian hopes, actually not really, he's kind of fallen off quite a bit, uh, Grandpa Trinaldo, this is switching to the original first fighter, he is, Francisco Trinaldo is minus 165, so mirroring odds from the previous fight. He's going against John McDessie, who's plus 145, the striker that never really became of much. Occasionally, he has nice finishes, but Trinaldo is one of the ageless wonders. He's basically the Brazilian lower weight class version of Yoel Romero. He's got a solid ground game. He's got some power in his hands. He knows how to conserve his energy, and he knows how to put a pace on you. MacDessie likes to throw his spinning wild strikes, and although Trinaldo's chin isn't what it once was... I'm um, just going to pick Trinaldo, but also a little biased. I've always been a big Trinaldo fan. Mike, how do you see Francisco Trinaldo versus John McDessie? Oh, man, it's, this is a, a tough one. If, if if Trinaldo was younger, I would I would just pick Trinaldo all day, man. But he's just getting older and older, man. And so uh, it makes me very hesitant on picking him. And so, I, but I, I think John McDessie is just, he is actually progressing a little bit more. He's just a little bit younger. And I think that the, both the, the two aggressive styles uh, can clash and that he could possibly win. But I, I wouldn't pick neither of these for a bet. And I don't confident, confidently like either of them. No, absolutely. There's a reason why these aren't bets and why it's just like a flat out pick because you can't trust them to put money on him. I know some people will and they might end up winning, but that type of betting does not win long term. Now, we're having two, I don't want to say former light heavyweight stars, because there's a little bit of a shinier light in the future of at least one of them, but uh, Nikita Krylov, who was one of the oddest heavyweights UFC has ever had, knocked out a man probably 60 pounds heavier than him easy, dropped down to light heavyweight, and just had the craziest fights you've ever seen before eventually he left the UFC, racked up quite the win streak, came back, and they got smashed by our man Janny from the block. Well, now he is fighting Johnny Walker, the recently humbled, surging hyped prospect um, in the UFC. Corey Anderson stole a little bit of his steam. He's been training at TriStar uh, recently, although he has a 
perpetual camp switcher, so I don't know how long that's going to stay. He has been, I think, in as many fight camps as he has UFC fights. But this fight is going to be absolute mayhem. Johnny Walker is currently minus 150 against Nikita Krylov's plus 130. I don't... Anyone who has a positive lean on this fight, by all means, go for it. Uh, I wouldn't bet this fight at all, other than maybe fight doesn't go to decision, but that's like minus 435, I believe, last time I checked. This reminds me a lot of when it was uh, Nikita Krylov versus uh, OSP, either of the times, because it's just crazy shit happens when those guys fight. Same thing happens when Johnny Walker fights. So... This is going to be a crazy fight. I do think Jenny Walker has more skills. Uh, I do think he is longer. He's more dynamic. I do think he has a more finished potential, at least with uh, his hands. Uh, Krylov tends to get odd submissions here and there, but I don't think that would work on Walker here. So if I had to make a pick, I'm going to go Walker. But betting-wise, money-wise, I wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole. Mike, are you similar, or do you have a real heavy lean in this one? Not necessarily a heavy lean, but I definitely I'm leaning Walker. Walker's a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and Nikita is not, I don't believe even a purple belt. So I think he's got an advantage on the ground. And Nikita Kirilov has a couple submission losses, so that could possibly happen while everyone is thinking a striking war could go on. It definitely could, and I think it still will. But I think that Johnny Walker is a little bit longer. He's got some deadly power and uh, some really good kicks. So I would lead Johnny Walker to win this fight and possibly by a leg kick. Man, I hope it go down like that. I could see it going down like that. So definitely agreement with you on there. Next up, Hinato Moicano. He is a, I believe, the biggest favorite on the card. I have didn't double check some of the earlier prelims. Yeah, it's looking like it. He is no Amanda Rebus is right about there. Yeah, Amanda Re, between Amanda Rebus and uh Hinato Moicano, they're within ten cents of each other. But uh Moicano is a minus three fifty favorite versus Demir Hadzovic who's plus 290 this will be moicano's move up to 155 after some disastrous <laughs> i mean uh, not overly disastrous just, uh, 145 i don't think has turned out the way he was especially when he seemed to be a guy quite on the come up i know a lot of people that were really high on him i know i was uh he beat calvin cater who were all super high on him he got that third round loss to ortega but was winning the fight up until that point he was kind of boxing brian ortega's face off before that uh decision happened and then he got finished by Jose Aldo in the second. Then he got finished by the Korean Zombie in the first. But he's still a huge favorite because even though he's going up to 155, there. That's, I'm going to list the names of wins he has before I stumble over my words too much, just name recognition-wise. He has a win over Zabira Tukhikov, who just won was the last week or the weekend before. He has a split decision win over Jeremy Stevens. He did lose to Brown Taker by choke in the third round, but was beating him until that point. Has a decision over Calvin Cater, who's looked nothing but phenomenal since. He has a finish over Cub Swanson, although, yes, Cub Swanson isn't what he once was, but still a name. Then he lost to Jose Aldo. Then he lost to Crane Zombie. Do you want to know what name doesn't match up with those? Demir Hadzovic. Um, he... <laughs> I mean, this guy lost to Christos Giagos. I mean, he has some wins in there. I mean, Nick, the Nick Hine win's pretty good. He beat Marcin Held, but Marcin Held is a, a leg locker bust type guy. And he was losing the, the, all like, uh, that fight. Exactly. There, there's levels to this fight to, to an extreme degree, and I don't mean to be that guy and say this is one of those times and Moicano should destroy him. Moicano is coming off of two 
finished losses, so I would not be putting minus 350 on him, but honestly, he should roll. So, Mike, how you feeling about Hinato Moicano versus the Bosnian Bomber? Oh, man, I mean, you know that we I've been a big Moicano fan for a long time, and I just... Uh, I can't believe the little bit of stumble from Grace that's happened to him. He went from being like an undefeated prospect to, you know, two losses in a row from, you know, first great savages. Uh, but I, he's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which I absolutely love. And Demir's only a purple belt. So the gap in on the ground is absolutely incredible. So I, I really feel like uh, that Moicano should easily be able to win this fight. But but because he's gotten knocked out, I mean, I, it should it makes people kind of more hesitant. And I think that we might see him on the ground a little bit more, especially with that BJJ game, and especially with the big gap in uh, the belts. So I think that uh, Moicano should roll here. But that that three fifty price tag is hefty, boy. Because if it was if it was a for sure sure, I'd, I'd give it out. But I, it's just not even. It's it's an ugly line, dude. If it was like one eight negative one eighty negative two twenty, I, I I would like it. Definitely a very, very ugly line. Now we're gonna to go to a line that we do like, a line that we, a line that we really like. And actually, after I give the the name and the odds, I'm gonna throw it to Mike first on this one because he's allowed to because of the name involved. Uh, Damian Maya is currently plus one sixty five, plus one seventy when I first made the notes, but he's plus one sixty five, so still a big dog against Gilbert Burns in his third fight. At welterweight, sorry, I'm quick checking that because it's gonna bother me if I do not know. No, that's quintet. One, two. Yeah, this will be his third fight at welterweight. He is minus 190 favorite over the legend Damien Maya. Now, before I give my two cents, Mike, please tell me about this co-main event. Oh well, man. I mean, I love Damian Maya so much. I went out and named my firstborn son after him, and that's the truth. I mean, I spelled D E M I A N, and that's my little boy, Damian Gregory Copenhaver. Uh, I just absolutely love Damian Maya. He's just a great professional athlete, great role model, uh, a true tradesman, and just marksman, a marksman for the sport. He's just he's amazing, man. I mean, his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is just world class. This is going to be a great, great match, though. I believe that uh, Damian Maya is a third degree black belt, and uh, Gilbert Burns is a second degree black belt. So we're we're gonna see. We're very privileged to see two wonderful black belts go at it this weekend and I, i'm just so stoked to see this thing go down i think that it's a it's a little bit it's a way big step up for gilbert burns to step up first maya i mean it, maya's big dude he's fought in uh, middleweight and beyond i mean he's used to rolling with big guys i've said it many times on the podcast that rolling with guys that are longer than you three to six inches longer than you it's it's super annoying man i mean they usually have longer limbs than you legs uh, arms they're they can catch you in arm bars or if you they're in your you have if you're in their guard they can flip up for like i said arm bars triangles a lot easier um they seem to if they get your back they can lock in a body triangle a little bit better and deeper i mean this is like i said all my opinion from rolling myself but it, it's just it's it's really annoying to fight guys longer than you i know that my brother even hated rolling with guys that are better wrestlers or or guys that were bigger than him um 
just like he lost to Ron Kessler uh, because he was longer than him. He just it was easier for him to take his back and just do things with him. So I really like uh, Damian Maya here. So we're going to be putting uh, one unit down at plus 165. And I think that the OG Damian Maya should have everything that he needs to get this fight done, man. I mean, Tyron Woodley could have knocked out Damian Maya with his lucky punch. So I don't I just don't see Gilbert Burns doing it. And I think that Gilbert Burns will overcompensate with the right hand and Damian Maya could possibly slip out of the way, grab him, get his back, trip him on trip him to the ground, take his back and choke him out. We both are huge fans of Damian Maya. And when you get him at dog money like this, it very few times that this happens. And this is not a downplay on Damian Maya, because I, I love me some Damian Maya. There's a very particular fighter going borderline through his entire career, other than like I think probably one to one and a half exceptions. And I can explain that in a minute. He only loses to physically imposing wrestlers that have superior striking. That's why he was able to beat Ben Askren. Ben Askren is a fantastic wrestler, a phenomenal wrestler, but he's not that powerhouse wrestler that has the strength to just really snap down on that takedown defense and keep him away with striking. And we all know Ben Askren doesn't have much to speak of for striking. Now, Kamaru Usman, he's got the striking coming along and got the powerhouse wrestling, and he's strong. Colby Covington, similarly, but he'll also put a pace on you because he doesn't have the power to keep you away. Tyron Woodley, same way. Rory Mack, although he didn't start as a wrestler, he became into one and has fantastic striking and good ground game. The Jake Shields fight was a split, but even Jake Shields, how he did, lost to Chris Weidman, lost to Mark Munoz, catching a pattern. Really only the fluke first round punch loss to Nate Marquardt or the decision loss to Anderson Silva where Anderson Silva was just better everywhere and kept him completely at distance. But this was all before Damian Maia actually learned how to strike. It wasn't until like the Mark Munoz fight where he actually got some striking together and it was actually a very odd kickboxing fight between Mark Munoz and Damian Maia that he ended up losing. But it's those powerhouse wrestlers that have the strength, not just a good wrestler. Like You literally have to just be like carved out of granite strong to be able to keep it on the feet and keep him off of you and enough power to scare him away from you. Colby Coven doesn't have that, but he has the volume where he was able to do it. And even then, uh, uh, Damian Maia was able to hit him good. And Damian Maia even had a really great position on Usman before there was a stand-up. I don't think this is Gilbert Burns. Uh, Gilbert Burns it was a long-time lightweight. This is only his third fight at welterweight, which we've brought up. Damian Maia has fought as high as, as middleweight. He's going to be the bigger, longer guy. I know he's old. He's just he's so smart with what he does. Everything is still built into itself. Whereas Gilbert Burns is getting better at striking, and he's a phenomenal grappler. But he still does them separate. He will clinch up a little bit, but they're still separate things. Damian Maya exclusively learned wrestling to feed into his jujitsu, striking to feed into his jujitsu. This this was all after the Mark Munoz fight, obviously. But everything is just leading into his jujitsu's game. I think he's the better striker than Gilbert Burns. I think he's more accomplished. I mean, it might just end up being a bad kickboxing fight, but even in a bad kickboxing fight, I'm going with Damian Maya. He was ba- he was winning the bad kickboxing fight against Ben Askren, so I I just I cannot turn down a plus 165 or big dog money on Damian Maya when he still has proved that he's an elite competitor and only loses to the utter cream of the crop. 
Gilbert Burns isn't on that level yet, man. I mean, the only people that he's losing, like, I mean, he has a win against Jorge Masvidal not that long ago. Uh, Damian Maya, not Gilbert Burns. Um, so I'm 100% like me and Mike before these go on, we kind of go back and forth on fights that we're really liking and see if we kind of agree back and forth. We don't have to agree back and forth to make them a bet, but when we do, it's always a positive. Both of us were bullish on Damian Maya from the get-go. That was the first fight we brought up. It was the first fight we talked about, and that's where we're falling on. So like Mike said, we're going to put one unit on at big dog money for you guys. He's at plus 165. And now we're going to move on to the main event. This is the one that I was a little sad about. This is the one that I wanted better odds on, and I used to have better odds on, and I actually talked about it, I believe, on our uh, beginning of the year show on fights we were looking forward to, or at least when it came out. Uh, Kevin Lee is minus 130 versus Charles Dobronx Oliveira, plus 110. That was after my last refreshing of the odds. I will do one more for you guys in case it's changed because it has bounced around a little bit. Uh, after all, when we were first, I got it as high as plus 130. That was money I wanted to play. I didn't know it opened as an uh, underdog. Odd, whatever. Um, I wanted to bet Charles Oliveira here. Mike knows it. Um, I I wanted to, and I do think he has an option. I do think he has a chance. But near even money, uh, Kevin Lee is better in almost every facet. I do think Kevin Lee isn't quite past the... He's got at least one or two more in him of, I'm winning a fight, I'm winning a fight. Oh, no, someone grabbed my neck. He's had a couple of those uh, where I'm, I'm hoping that TriStar beats that out of him. I mean, not in a, an overly perverse way, but just in shortens up those shortcomings of good defense on takedowns. His submission game is, is right on point. He just snatches up the submissions. He's actually starting to get some power in those fists. He's a finisher, man. I mean... I think he's past the quitting because <laughs> we're joking about I'm t- talking about how uh, Kevin Lee has since he gave up his neck, but uh, someone who has a history of quitting in the past has been Doe Bronx uh, with sh- shots he didn't want to take, delayed KOs. But I-, I honestly think he's past that. He has looked so much better in his last couple fights. But like I said, this 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 number is keeping me away from it. So I'm gonna go pick with Doe Bronx, and I-, I guess keep an eye on my Twitter, but. I think it's going to stay. The odds are going to stay right around here, unless some big money comes in on Kevin Lee. So the picks, uh, Do Bronx, and I, I guess that's it. Mike, how are you feeling about the main event here? Kevin Lee versus Charles Do Bronx down there in Brazil. Oh man, this is going to be a good one, dude. Uh, I, it's those Brazilian fans and the energy down there. I, I want to. It's like I want to say Kevin Lee can win this fight. But he, he's known for giving up his neck. He's known for doing dumb stuff. He's known for just cheese balling in the limelight. So I could see it as a perfect opportunity for him to leave his neck exposed and do Bronx to come out there and come out with another submission win in front of his crowd. And the, and everyone just go crazy and he gets another like 20-something submission or whatever well, it is. Uh, so I, I really like Do Bronx here. I think that he can roll. I think he's been in there with so many people that the only way he would get caught is uh, if he just gets hit with a haymaker. And I, I think he's smarter than that. But, uh, you know, it's MMA. Just so you guys are right there with us, in case you didn't write it down, in case you didn't enter it on your phone, in case any of that happened, we're going to review quickly our bets for this card. We have EDS at minus 135 to win one unit. We have Juicy A at minus 165 to win one unit. And yes, we have our man, Damian Maya. We have one unit him at plus 165 to win you guys plus 1.65 units. Let's keep this going. Let's get you guys another winning event. Mike, do you have anything to say to the people before 
before we bid them adieu until next week. Uh, we just appreciate all you guys listening each week and giving us your support. And we just keep on hopefully rolling these bets forward and keep stacking chips and uh, winning you guys money because that's what it's all about. And if you're not joining the MMA for Money team, uh, you don't know what you're doing. Get yourself over to MMAformoney.com. Get yourself a package because the NASCAR started and Prime's been on fire. He's won over 30 units in the first like three weeks and it's just absolutely ridiculous. We always do our best to retweet for you guys to get as much action as you want. Uh, Super Tiff Star Tippy puts on put out yeah puts out ones on occasion uh, for you guys as well as well as in other sports. And also, just don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Subscribe to it on any of the platforms you want. You name the platform, we're on there. Uh, also, check out our YouTube. We have some broken down videos of individual fights. If you want little more snippets, if there's a particular fight you really want to hear about, but you don't necessarily want some of the other noise, it's there for you. Thank you for listening in please subscribe spread it like wildfire let's roll